You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard, and I'm so glad you're here. Friends, thanks for tuning in each week for being here. I've been I've been trying to stay consistent each week, you know, getting those episodes out, even with some of the challenges that I've been, been dealing with, but I just, I feel so grateful that you guys are here, and yeah, thanks for showing up each week. I'll keep showing up for you. I feel like I'm getting really back into the groove and really excited about this show. So hopefully you'll see some new things that spark your interest. And yeah, grateful grateful for this place. So I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit on podcasting life. I actually recorded, I record most of my interviews about a month or two in advance. Um, so this conversation that happened in March before we miscarried our twins. And so It's funny because so much of what we talk about today, Sarah and I, is even more relevant to me now than it was before. And I really, I hope that it's relevant to you as well. Not only as a mother, but just just a woman, someone with a uterus out there. (laughs) I sit down with my smart and funny and opinionated and just all around badass friend, Sarah Schultz, to talk about the complicated role of not only being a mother, but just being a woman. You know, Sarah... Sarah was actually the second guest on the show. If you go back to episode two, when it was still branded as Wedded Wellness, we talk about self-care and the life transition of being pregnant. Sarah was pregnant at the time. And now her son, Abel, just turned one. And she is she's in it. She's really in it. She's in the thick of it. That postpartum life, new motherhood, pandemic, new mama, working entrepreneur, all the hats that, you know, that we just wear. And so to give you kind of the cliff notes on what we talk about today, because it's something, you know, it's just really been on my mind for honestly the last several years. It's just how hard it is to be a woman, you know, and I'm not saying this to complain or ask for attention, but rather to point out that being a woman, you know, being a woman who chooses potentially to bear children, it's just really, really hard. And when we don't say these things out loud, you know, when we stuff down our feelings, our pain, our grief, our anger about the cards that we've been dealt as a woman, as a mother, we fester those feelings and they grow and they can turn into resentment or even, you know, illness. So, you know, this is a huge part of self-care in my life and the clients that I work with. Be okay with saying that being a woman, that being a mother is fucking hard and that we're not always okay you know, there's magic in this. And we talk about that more in this episode. We, we harness the power in this truth. 
We don't have to hold on to, you know, this load forever. We can let it go, especially when we honestly express how we feel. So quick trigger warning, if you're someone who chooses to opt out of hearing other people's birth stories, I know I did when I was pregnant, um, we do talk through Sarah's amazing but really challenging birth story. And if you don't already know Sarah, let me just tell you about her because I love having her on the show. This will not be the last time she'll be here. I just feel like she has such goodness to share. She's a talented entrepreneur who builds brands. She created the Merry Hour, which brings like-minded bosses together to network and to mingle. She created this Femme, which promotes equality in the community using high-quality apparel as a tool to share this mission. You know, and she even packs and ships and everything ethically sourced merch from her Minneapolis home. And on top of that, she's a new mom. And she's a fucking good friend, to just name a few. Sorry for my F-bombs today, but I'm like... I'm jazzed up on this topic and I feel really passionate. So I'm a super fan of hers and I'm grateful to have this real and raw conversation. Friends, a huge thank you and shout out to our show sponsor this month, Odell. So Odell is my favorite hair care products. I've been talking about them all month. So part, so proud to partner with them. I got to meet the founders this past summer and they're just, they're super inspirational women who created an awesome product. Listeners of this show get 15% off their order at odellbeauty.com using the code YOGAMAGIC in the month of April. But if you're listening to this after the fact in the future, you can always get their products at Target. You'll see their cute pastel bottles. And then finally, friends, I just, I'd love to connect with you. If you're not, if we're not already friends on Instagram or you're listening somewhere and I, we've never had the chance to connect, please shoot me a friend request, send me a note. I would just love to know more about who listens to this show because I can see that you're listening. I can see that more people are each week and I want to know how I can serve you and bring more self-care into your life. So on Instagram, I'm ashleysondergaard.yoga and at Yoga Magic Podcast. You can find those handles in my show notes because my last name is long. Okay, let's get to our conversation with Sarah Schultz. For those of you who are like new, you Sarah was on the on an episode when it was still wedded wellness, and we were talking about your journey into motherhood, and you were pregnant at the time, and you were so hilarious and honest, and like you said all the things that so many of us experience when we're pregnant. <laughs> I am so excited to just catch up and see now you've got a a perfect little baby boy. You're in the throes of motherhood. Like what? How are you feeling? Tell me how, tell me you're honest. How are you feeling? <laughs> it is a shit show. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, of course, it's all the lovely things you hear about, right? But it's, um, it's not as hard as I thought it would be in some ways. And in other ways, it is just like this impossible, never ending, life sucking force. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. It doesn't, you can't shake it. Right. You can't, it's just this kid like that you grew. It's an extension of who you are, but it's not you. Like when you're pregnant, it's you. And now this baby has been born and he's his own person and his own being doing his own stuff. And it's all of the things all at once. I've never felt so many emotions all within one instant. Mm. as I have as a mom. It's, it's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. 
talk about some of the good things. Like what has surprised you? Because you know, as you were really open on, you know, when we chatted the first time that like this wasn't really in the plans. However, you are such a, you know, positive person that you embrace things. And what has just been like, this is amazing. I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, it's really fun to give Abel the space to kind of figure himself out. I really love uncovering or or watching him, I guess, uncover who he is and who he wants to be. He's, he'll be 11 months this week, which is wild too. Um, But his little personality is really starting to show. He's very social, which equally surprises me and doesn't surprise me. I mean, my husband and I are both social butterflies, but he is a pandemic baby and we have been at home a vast majority of this last year. So to see him in public, when he sees somebody walking by, he'll start to bounce and get so excited and like, (laughs) and almost like wave at them, which is so cute. And that's just fun. I think that's just innately who he is. And so kind of as he starts to navigate his own personality, it's been so much fun to see who that is and try to be a, a supporter of that and a, a bystander and just experience it with him and see it and not necessarily, um, you know, push an agenda on this poor little soul that has his own plans. Mm, yeah. And you give him the space to just really figure out who he is. And I mean, to me, that's such, such a gift because I don't, I don't know if it was generational, but there was like, I feel like our parents were a little bit different in that there was, there was, there was more of the helicopter parent energy. And and now I, I, I don't know, like I'm kind of the parent that's like, I want you to know that I'm here always. And I'll probably be like way off in the distance, but if you need me, I'm here, but not hovering. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally. I think it's, I do agree. I think there is some generational, um, you know, interesting facts that could, are over my head at least, but I think there's probably some pretty specific patterns that we've seen generation to generation. And I do think our generation has this, um, you know, we're the, we're the oldest of what the millennials at this point, really, like we're we're both, we're both millennial moms. Um, And I think we've really been trying to strike this balance of doing air quotes, what's right, or, or what we think is important, maybe is a good way to put it. And also being really intentional about how we're parenting and considering, honestly, I think a lot of things that maybe parents in generations before didn't have the luxury to consider, mm-hmm. didn't have the means to consider, didn't have the support to consider. I think there's a lot of different elements that really shaped us being, you know, the top of the millennials who got like the, you know, everyone got trophies they tease us about, or we all got the participation, whatever, and, and badges or banners, or I don't remember, but I have them, I'm sure at my house, my parents' (laughs) house, Um, you know, some of those things that millennials get made fun of. But I also think that we as parents are trying to just really be intentional about how we want to raise these little beings and have a different level of consideration for, the people around us, our community, our society, what it means to be an active participant in all of that. And, you know, I think I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm happy to mm-hmm. be, be in this space in parenting when I am right now to have the opportunity to do that and be among a lot of other parents who are interested in doing that too. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think too, you know, you, you really, 
hit the nail on the head as far as intentionality. And I, and not again, not that our parents were any different with this. Um, they might, they might've been, I think like my viewpoint, I only have two parents. I only, I only know what happened in my family, but now there's a pretty solid understanding that you have to take care of yourself, right? Like that's what yes. the show is. Like you have to take care of yourself. If you're going to take care of children, you cannot, or anybody, if you're taking care of anybody, you're not going to be able to give if you're not giving to yourself. And like, and that's really where I want this to go. Like how that's playing out live time. I mean, really for the both of us, cause we're totally in it before we get there. What has been like, int- like surprisingly hard. What shocked you? Like, mm. this is way harder than I anticipated. <laughs> I think, um, oops, well, that was a picture of Abel, so maybe. <laughs> oh, he knows we're talking about him. Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> um, I think, oh, this is good. Um, I had a really hard stint with breastfeeding. I'm still mm-hmm. breastfeeding, and that has been a very hard fought process that was important for both Will and I. Um, so that was kind of like around month two to four is when I really felt like shit was getting super hard. And that surprised me because I had taken the classes, I had done the education, I had, I, I felt very well informed and it had been going really well. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the first wrenches thrown our way that helped open my eyes to the reality that, I mean, my birth and my labor is a good example of this too, is that you can have the best laid plans and you can think you have no expectations and you could think you're open to something, but until you're actually tested in that moment, that's really when you find out, oh, did I have expectations tied to this? Did I have a plan that I maybe didn't know about or that I wanted and it wasn't met or a preference or whatever? And so that was really the first time I felt super tested as a mom. The first couple of months felt really easy until the breastfeeding got really, really hard. Um, the other thing that's really surprised me is I have a super, um, amazing partner. We have a very equitable partnership. Mm-hmm. We value sharing workload at home and I have felt a lot of, I would probably say hurt around the natural reality that as the birthing parent, my workload is higher for a lot of different reasons, both, you know, physiologically, biologically, and also choices that Will and I have made together. And I didn't think that was going to bother me. Mm-hmm. And it's been driving me fucking bonkers lately. So I don't know if it's this, this, this phase I'm in, um, where I'm feeling like I miss some freedoms or if it's just, I'm, I thought I, could grasp it. And until you really live it, maybe you don't, but yeah, that's, that, that kind of hurt and frustration has really been showing up for me lately, which surprises me. Hmm. Let's unpack that. Cause I am like, I feel, I feel emotionally even like talking about that. Cause it's not, it's not their fault. It's like, it's no. not, they didn't do anything. And, and there's, I mean, I've read endlessly on this topic because I feel the same way. I mean, I think there's like a low level of resentment about the inherent duties that come with being a female, being a mother, that we just, I don't know that I was prepared for. And it, and it's not, you know, it doesn't, I'm trying not to sugarcoat these things. I'm trying to be more like truthful about this stuff rather than like pleasing everyone. But like, I remember yeah. sitting in a mama class and like, 
just crying about, I'm like, this is, I'm just, I just want to go back to work. I'm, you know, I'm two months postpartum, but my body needs rest and recovery. But like, I just want to go back to work, but I can't do that. Like, that's not a reality. I need to take care of myself. I need to feed my child. And I guess it's just this, like this sort of feminist, um, we've talked about it as like the wounded feminine before it's a reality and it it sucks. It just sucks. (laughs) It's it's, again, it goes back to that being so complex. It is so powerful and beautiful and incredible. The things that we get to and are able to do as women. Yeah. And it is such a load to bear. It is such a load to to carry. Um, And you can make a million different decisions. I think like an obvious one would be like, okay, breastfeeding is hard or you're feeling like that load is hard. There's amazing formula options. You can supplement with, you know, donated breast milk. There's all these other things you can do from a feeding standpoint that doesn't make the decision any less complex. That doesn't make the decision any easier. It doesn't, that's really hard. And ultimately, you know, at least in my relationship, that decision ultimately was mine. You know, Will said, this is what I would like. I would love it if we could breastfeed Abel. I'm here to support you through that journey. Um, But it's your body. You got to be into it too. And and I appreciate that he, he saw it that way. And that's a lot. That's a lot for me to, to carry. I mean, regardless, you can have the most supportive partner ever. And the reality is it's just a little bit harder. And by a little bit, I mean, a lot of it harder to be the birthing parent. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the realistic view. I mean, this we're we're giving it to you straight everybody. And I think the thing that is now where I'm at, right. Two babies later planning for future. I mean, like this is I'm there. I've done it now. I'm finding the magic in this, right? Like there Mm. is, there is magic in this, in this, power that we have, right? We are, I mean, we're truly the most powerful beings we are. And we can, once we, I think, recognize that this stuff is really hard and that there's a lot of responsibility on us and we are the default parent. That's just that, you know, it is what it is. And we have supportive partners who we can ask for help. When we get to that spot, we can harness this power and this truth and we can change the world, like not to get yeah. too crazy, but like, we really, really yes. just, like fuck the patriarchy. This is yes. how we're going to do it. <laughs> yes. I a hundred percent agree. I 100% agree with that. I think that's so true. I think that's so true, but we have to get through that kind of foggy phase in reality. And like you said, you know, harness it. I, I I'm not in the harness phase yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the, like, I'm angry a little, I'm frustrated. I, I, I almost feel like we talked about this last week. You said, Sarah, just maybe you need to give yourself some time and space to mourn, to mourn a little bit. Like it's not fair. Like I want to have a little toddler tantrum right now because it's not fair. And there's a part of me that just that pisses me off because day in and day out, I strive to reach equanimity between men and women. That's just like who I am through and through. And so knowing that this isn't going to be fair. I need to, I need to work through that. And then I think the harnessing comes, right? Yep. And I think I'm able to shift that energy when the time is right, when I'm prepared for that. And that's when I think 
continuing to, to shift happens. Mm-hmm. I see where you are. I'm so excited for you to be in that space. And I also know you, you didn't get there without being where I am, right? Like this is a part of the journey. This is a part of that growth. I'm just in, you know, this one phase and you're in this other phase and my mom is in a different phase. Right. That's what I was just going to say is the, our moms, like they experience this too, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And what a unique perspective for them to be in, you know, they parented us in a super different era. Mm-hmm. And under, you know, really different circumstances that were far shittier than, and, you know, than what we have the privilege to parent in right now. And they're getting to see us kind of awaken in this different type of parenthood and watch us do how we are doing it with our kids and still be a part of that story. Hopefully, you know, my, my parents are, my mom is actually here right now with Abel. So <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> It's, it's cool. It's cool to see the the differences shift generation to generation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a, a little about that, about that relationship with our mothers. And I think the thing that makes it hard is that we, we, we love our mothers. I mean, most of us do. And, and to like really dive into their wounds is, and one, it's not our story, right? It's like, we are our own people, but if we recognize that at some point, you know, they were wounded and, you know, they were wounded just like we are, whether it be, you know, the, the patriarchy of the eighties, like, what is that noise? Like, <laughs> right. I think we're like, were women even allowed to ha- get their own credit in the eighties? I don't think that. Oh my changed. gosh. Yeah. I think I that shifted know. until the eighties, which is ridiculous. And I don't think that they have the support that we do now in terms of like talking openly about the challenges of breastfeeding and birth and just like even the C-section rate, like there was so much. And so now when I, when I look at my mom, something that really helps me as a parent talking again in this like energetic kind of um, overcoming just these inherent challenges that we face is when I look at my mom, I see her as not my mom. I see her as just a woman who's done a ton and I don't put her on a pedestal anymore because she is just a woman who did try to raise two kids. Like, you know, and she did, she did great. And I can't put her on a flipping pedestal because that's not, I can't just like send out the vibe that like, I want my mom to be perfect because she's never going to be perfect. That's not possible. And I hope that that's what we can show our kids is that like, guess what? We got some baggage. We got stuff. You don't have to be perfect. I'm not perfect, but we are going to be working on it ongoing. I think there's a lot of super fascinating relational connections and disconnections in these concepts. So my relationship to Abel, how I feel about Abel is forever going to be different than Abel feels about me. 100%. It's it's not a two-way street, which can seemingly be very complicated as the parent. How I love Abel it's not going to be returned in that same way, especially in the United States when we view like generational, like an aging relationships very differently. You know, in some cultures, the parent would take care of the baby and then the baby grows up and the baby takes care of the aging parent, like the, the, the mm, child, right. Takes care of the aging parent, right. That's a little more balanced maybe, but here 
we don't do that. Like I'll probably go to some retirement or some old folks home and you know, hopefully Abel comes and visits me. I don't know. But my point is uh, we, the, the relationship is super, it's not the same back and forth. Oh, right. And, mm-hmm. and I, it's, that's the same way with us and our parents. Like I'm, I'm making assumptions, but I'm going to venture to guess that I will always like Abel way more than he likes me. Like, <laughs> he's going to be off finding his own friends and finding his partner who he wants to go spend his life with. Like, I hope I get to continue to be a huge part of his story, but I just always think that's interesting. Like, does my mom like me so much more than I like her? Like, I don't know. I like my mom a lot. I think she's absolutely fantastic, but you're right. Like we're all just human beings doing our best every day. And, uh, I think we forget about how different a relationship from a parent to the child is from the child back to the parent. And that can, right. kind of be, that can be a little hard sometimes. Like mm-hmm. Abel's not going to be my best friend. I'm never going to call him my best friend. Like that's not who he's supposed to be to me. And that's not who I'm supposed to be to him. That's how I feel about it. Uh, but yeah, you see that where you're like, oh, this is like my little best friend you're setting yourself up for some heartbreak because your best friend's going to go leave you and find another best friend. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I had two girls and I, it's, oh my gosh. Okay. This is weird. Lily and I, we have a lot of past lives together where we've been sisters. So her and I have like a very interesting relationship that is, is very close and sometimes can get a little wishy-washy in that sense that like, I want to be her friend and she wants to be my friend, but I'm her mom. I am her mom. And then Rory and I have a different past life energy where we alternate between I'm the parent and she's the parent. So we kind of parent, it's just like, so anyone want to deep dive into this stuff? Let me know. Cause it's the best. But what I'm, I think where I want this to kind of land is that even though like, yes, there's every relationship between our kids and our parents and just like family to family is so different at the end of the day, all we can really control and all that we can really nurture is ourselves. I mean, we really have to sit there and do that work and you know, and I know it is damn hard in the first year of, of parenthood. You know, having a newborn at home is like the weirdest, most blissful, amazing time ever hormone city nakedness. I'm like, this is our, what is this? This is so weird. It is the cover of Nat Geo. It is, (laughs) it is, it's just boobs and milk and blood and (laughs) things that happen in the beginning. And we, there's, you know, we really can take care of ourselves, um, but we have to ask for a lot of help. I mean, I think that's like the biggest piece of it. When you were in this or now you're still in this, you know, what are you like, what are your go-tos when you do need to take care of yourself? I know you and I are like, we're working on this and we're really navigating like what the next stage is, but like in those moments, like, what did you reach for? Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, I think sometimes I just like to honestly step away and take a beat um, by myself it, I don't love the winter time. So it's not been like escaping to the outdoors the last couple of months, but even just, you know, here, take the baby and I'll go excuse myself for however long in whatever other room to just take a couple breaths and recenter. Um, I've fallen out of a good self-care routine, but some of the things that I'm trying to, um, you know, encourage myself to dive back into I could soak in the bath for hours and hours and hours on end. Mm. 
I love baths. I like to work in the bath. I'll bring my computer in and set it up on the side and just like work away. I love it. That's very fueling to me, especially if I'm working on a super creative project. That's just amazing. Um, I'll watch movies. I'll read. So trying to spend some more time in water. I love water and I don't live by the beach. So the bath will have to do. Um, And just today I kind of reminded myself how much I love to work outside. I'll just Mm. sit outside with the birds and check some stuff off of my to-do list. I'm one of those people who like, I truly love my job and I get to be creative for a living and creativity is something that's important to me. So um, I do oftentimes really enjoy working, which right now, because Abel is home with us, when I get uninterrupted work time, like that's a treat right now when I can just get in my flow and do my thing that feels really regenerating. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm trying to set myself up for some of those moments, more of those moments Mm -hmm. to help me feel more full because the second I get depleted, it shows up as anger and frustration. And that's steered towards both will and able mostly will my husband. (laughs) And I, you know, I know will, and he's like, he's, he's similar to my partner. Like just like truly a partner. And also it's almost easier to get mad at them because of that. I'm just like, damn it. (laughs) Why are you so chill right now? (laughs) Yes. How do you not know? Yeah, I I know. Oh, that's a whole nother episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So those are great. And I, you know, they're simple. They don't have to be like these profound things. I think that's such a good reminder you know, and to be fulfilled in work. Wow. It, like what a gift really you are, you have such a, an amazing business and you're so creative and it helps people. And, and, you know, again, that's in your chart to help other people. I think, you know, if work is really filling people up, that's a great place to land, but it doesn't for everybody. And I think we also, wow. you know, we have to be honest with ourselves about what actually fills us up. Like there's this whole, I put this in your little guy. There's this like kind of idea or like the sugar coating of like, Oh, you know, mama go just like, go get groceries by yourself. Like that's a self-care treat. That's not a self-care moment. That's like getting food for my family. Like that's not (laughs) self-care. Right. Right. Totally. So being like brutally honest with ourselves right now about like, what do we need for ourselves? Not just for everybody else. Yeah. And I think, I think what's helped me too, is knowing that self-care was something I was really good at investing time, energy, and money. And I would, I would spend money to take care of Mm. myself, massages and facials and lots of like physical body care that I love having done. Um, but I think being realistic of, of what, is and is not going to work right now. One, because of COVID uh, and different comfort levels. Um, two, because of the reality that we don't have childcare for, for Abel right now. I almost said for Will. <laughs> some, some days we might like need we some do. for Will. Yeah. <laughs> we, some days it feels like we do. Um, but, you know, by me stepping away, that is adding a burden to Will. And, you know, sometimes that's totally okay, but there's just a different level of things to consider now. And so, one thing that has been helping me is, is level setting that it doesn't, self-care doesn't need to be this grandiose, you know, seven day excursion to the Northern part of India and immerse in the yoga camp. Like you can yeah. just go take five breaths outside and that might be good enough for right now. And mm-hmm. that's okay. 
there will be other seasons where I do maybe go back to the foothills of the Himalayas and I immerse myself in Mother Ganga and, and do my yoga, whatever. Like, <laughs> but it's not happening now. Take me with you when you do that. Yes. I'm coming. Oh gosh. I've, I've done it before. It's amazing. <laughs> It's time. It's time for me to talk about Odell. You've been hearing me share about this amazing hair care brand all month. And if you've been holding off on checking out these products, everybody, now is the time. Okay, so Odell is the shampoo and conditioner that I use at home or everywhere I go. I literally went to the brand, went to the Odell team and said, I love you so much. Will you partner with this show? And here's why I love these products, everyone. They're clean, they work, they actually work, they are affordable, they are created by three amazing Minneapolis working moms, and my whole family can use these products. So my current routine is to use the smoothing shampoo and conditioner, Get out of the shower, I throw a little of the air styler in while I'm making smoothies. Just leave that in, leave my hair wet. And then I'll dry it if I'm feeling really, you know, really motivated with the hair dryer or just let it air dry. And then I'll throw in a little curl and add in the sea salt spray to give my hair some waves and texture. And I'm good to go, super easy. I use the detangler on my kiddos, so just a little spray and conditioner. And then my husband uses pretty much whatever's in the shower, whatever is out, and it works for all of us. We love it so much. So we have an exclusive discount for the awesome products. Yoga Magic listeners get 15% off all April when you use the code yogamagic at odellbeauty.com. If you're listening to this in the future, make sure to check out Odell at Target. It's the cute pastel bottles and it's available available nationwide. So again, to get in on that discount before it ends, head over to odellbeauty.com and use code yogamagic for 15% off. So now again, motherhood, you know, when, when we were talking, I think you were really prepared for the birth piece or like your mindset. I mean, you, you said you weren't as open-minded as you thought, but I feel like you were very open-minded and, you know, welcoming all of the things. What have you learned about yourself on the other side? Maybe it is that you're not as open-minded as you thought, or maybe there's subconscious self-limiting beliefs that have shown up. Like who are you on this side? Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, which that's like the third time I think I've said that's good to one of your questions. So I'm glad job. you're liking them because you're 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 good I didn't at your job. Prep you that much on me. Oh, you're good at your job. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is I am very very strong, mm. and I I knew I was tough. Um and determined and motivated. And, and I work really hard if it's something that I really truly want, but that like, I'm fucking strong. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I knew how strong I was until, you know, my, my labor was just about five days long. Um, oh my God, I forgot I, that. I like, I blocked it, let alone you. I wish I could. I'm waiting for that moment. Mom's like, oh, you forget. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to forget this one. This is pretty burned in there. Um, <laughs> but 
I stayed so positive and was so determined that those five days, four and a half days. Um, and I look back and I'm like, everyone around me was like, yeah, she's doing good. Yeah. She's doing good. And I, like, I was, I, I really was doing very good, but I don't think I, like, that's pretty abnormal. I, I would venture to guess. Like, I, I think many, many women would have called it before I did. Uh, we transferred to the hospital. We were going to have a birth center birth. We, I decided on day five, uh, Easter Sunday, actually, hmm. that it was time for a break that I was exhausted. Um, and that was the first time, like I made it from Wednesday to Sunday. And that was the first time I was like, I need to rest. Like I hadn't slept. I hadn't eaten. I was throwing up the entire time. It was difficult. And I stayed like in it and positive and was motivated to keep trying. I wasn't deterred until Sunday. And that, uh, you know, maybe that's a little bit of stubbornness. I don't know, but I feel really proud of that. Like I felt very connected to my body, to the baby. It felt really good. Um, it was hard. It was really hard, but it felt, I just felt very empowered during that time in a way that surprises me. Mm -hmm. And, and that makes me feel really proud. I feel like, wow, yeah, you are really effing strong. That was something. And the rest piece, I think, you know, without actually saying it, like to me, that's, that's when you were the strongest, when you decided to Mm -hmm part ways from the plan, you know, or or the goal, even if you will around like the birth center, you made the decision that like, okay, now I need to rest and I I need to go. And did you end up having a C-section or did you have a natural birth? I did. You did. I had a C-section. Yeah. We transferred. And that like the craziest part of that is like, I was, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility for me. Um, I've done a lot of reading and research and I think that that extreme of medical intervention is so necessary in some cases. And I also believe that it is unnecessarily used um, maybe before other things are tested or tried for a safe, natural delivery. Mm-hmm. I'm casting no judgment on anyone that's had a C-section. I had a C-section, right? So, uh, but I do think that societally, we leverage that intervention, maybe prematurely, not in every case. And so like rooting in that, like, that's a belief of mine. I I was like, we're going to try everything before we try that. Like, that's not going to be the, the answer for us. And so I, we got to the birth center on Sunday. It was my second time there that morning, my fifth time back and forth since Wednesday when I started labor and, um, that morning I had gone in and we came home and we did this like epic, our doula was with us. We did this epic, basically like birth workout. I don't know what else to call it, but I basically basically was contracting in these three, um, like they were not my comfortable contraction positions, but they were in position. They were, my body was in positions to help the baby position perfectly or, or better, if you will, Mm -hmm. it was like a 90 minute cycle. And I was contracting about every two to five minutes at this point. So very aggressive rolling contractions were kind of on and off, but the the rolling contractions were on and off, but, um, I was actively contracting and I was in these (laughs) different positions to help Abel get positioned so that he could, uh, dilate me. I was a face, but I wasn't dilating. 
And so I did that. We did, we did everything. Like by Sunday, we had done it all. Inversions. You know, oh, yes. Like, see this we, happening. Did, <laughs> we did it all. We had done all of it. And I, I got to the birth center and my hands and my knees were just bloody from being on my hands and knees are my most, was my most uh, comfortable place to contract. Mm. And I looked at Will and I said, I was still at about a three and I looked at Will and I was like, the job hasn't even started. We, I'm in like the pre-interview and like, we still need to do the interview. And then I need to like have the baby and then the job starts. And like, I can't start a job on zero. I need to get some rest and start this job, not on zero. And so it took me to that point to decide to transfer. The, the midwife team was fantastic. They recommended that we transfer to the U because of their midwifery care. We were able to stay within midwifery care, which was important. Yeah, that's where I went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it was just such a, it was a great experience. Um, and we got there and within like 20 minutes, Abel's heart rate had been just plummeting. Mm. And she, the midwife just talked us through, you know, we can give you something for the pain so that I could, all I wanted was a nap. Like my goal was to go and nap. So she's like, we can give you something from the pain so that you can rest. But the reality is we'll probably have to push Pitocin to increase your contractions again. Cause if I push you something to pause your contractions, your body might not kick them back on. And like, it's been a while, the baby needs to come out. Um, and their fear was that because he had been enduring contractions for as long as he had been, Mm -hmm. that he wouldn't handle them very well. And so as we're kind of exploring these concepts, his heart rate starts plummeting. I'm surrounded by nurses. They're positioning me different ways. It got pretty scary, pretty fast. Um, and they hadn't gotten my IV in yet. So I still had no pain relief at this point. Oh my gosh. I just was like, oh my God, you give me the give me, the give me something. I, looked at <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I didn't research that one. I don't care. Put it in my arm. Just give it to me. Um, and so, and so I, 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 they basically said, you know, I think we should go to have an urgency section, not an emergency section. And we asked what that meant. And basically it was the difference if we waited and his heart rate got any worse and it became an emergency, that's a different surgery. It's a different recovery process. Um, it, it sounded a lot scarier than what I was interested in. I just looked at Will and I said, okay, we're going to go have a baby now. And within a very short amount of time, I was wired up in the OR. I got my spinal tap and I just laid back. That was the first time in five days I had felt comfortable in my body. And I just, I laughed and I said, whoo, feels like we're having a party. And some, one of the nurses said, we are, it's a birthday party. We just, we just got ready for little Abel to join us. And it was, it was not at all what I ever wanted. Um, It's hard still to, to reflect that there's parts of it that felt great. Uh, You know, most of it didn't being cut open is really Mm -hmm. hard. Um, I will try everything in my power to not go through that experience again. It was difficult. Uh, healing from that was difficult. My scar is loud. That's difficult. Like there's just so much complexity around it um, that I would really like to not explore again. But, you know, I listened, like you said, I listened, I made the call. It was time to go and it was time to go. And when we got there, it was even more 
proof that I was tapped into Able and I knew what we needed. 100%. I knew, yes. I knew it was time for us to go and I knew he needed to come out. And the proof was right. The second we hooked, we got hooked up. He was not reacting well to contractions and it was time and he was ready and he was struggling. Mm-hmm. So that, that in that mom, that gut instinct, I guess it's not even mom. Women really feel that mm-hmm. we're tapped into that really cool instinctual energy. I knew, and I, I said, it's time to go. And it was my choice and I was in control. And I said the same thing when, when it was time to go for the C-section and when they opened me up, they had found the cord was wrapped around his neck three times, which is a lot scarier. It's a lot scarier sounding than what it is. It's not abnormal, but like he, he didn't have room. He wasn't, he wasn't, that wasn't going to happen any other way. He would have had to unwind three times the same way he wound three. Like that was how the story was going to end for us. And so, you know, I just, I trusted that timing. And I said, okay, let's go. We need to go. And we did, we did need to go. And no one else told me that I told the team that I told the doctors that I told Will that we got to go. And I was right. You were right. Yeah, I was right. Oh, like full, full body. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can see the video. I'm just like tearing up. It's just so like, we're talking about that magic. This is it. This is it. It doesn't mean that it's flipping roses, color, you know, rose colored glasses every day. Yeah. No, it's not. There, I mean, beautiful things are not easy. They're just not. And when we get honest with ourselves about <laughs> what our intuition is telling, you know, about when to lean into the femininity, the rest, that's when, you know, really when this magic comes. And so I, I don't know, to me, that story is like, pure divine feminine. I don't even have words. Like just magic. It, uh, I, I didn't even touch on the most magical part. Um, well, I mean, I had a baby that's pretty magical, (laughs) Um, but the coolest thing, one thing I'll never forget is Wednesday night. And I, I, I can't explain this at all, but Wednesday night labor started and, um, it, it was overnight. Why this happens overnight. I'd like to know that too. Um, but I, I, my contractions were maybe like one or two every hour. They were very spaced apart and I didn't really need will. I just, at that point, I knew it was really important for whoever one, whichever one of us could get sleep as much sleep as possible. I knew that was going to be important. So I let him rest and I would have a contraction and I would lay back down and I'd fall asleep. And on my right side, I beat sleeping. And all of a sudden in my dream state, I would hear, okay, Sarah, you're about to have another contraction. It's time to wake up. And I would wake up not having a contraction and I'd get on my hands and knees because that I quickly learned was my most comfortable contracting position. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have the contraction and then I'd lay down and I'd go back to sleep. And in dream state, a voice would say, okay, Sarah, you're going to have another one's coming, get ready. And that would wake me up. And I'd get on my hands and knees and I would contract again. And it was like the, I, I don't know how that happened. I don't know why, but every one of my contractions, I was woken up before it happened. I was physically and mentally prepared for it to happen. It happened. And I went back to sleep. Who was that? Who do you think that was? I have no clue. Like your guide, like your spirit guide, maybe. Or your higher it was, self? 
I don't know. It was the same voice and I can't decide if it was a male or female voice, but it was never shifting. It was one voice. Are you sure it was on the right? My right hand side. Cause right is masculine. So it like, perhaps mm. it was not that like your spirit guides yeah. are gendered. They're not, but like to yeah. me, like a coach, like a, like a, let's mm. do this, like a sun energy versus a moon energy, which is feminine energy just on your left. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. I just like, I, I, I just wonder if it's like your, your like masculine higher self totally coaching you through. And then, you know, in that moment when you needed to lean into the feminine to the left, that was like, okay, we're going to rest now, but it's the harmony. It's the balance between the two. It was so cool. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. And the neatest thing coming out of that, besides that being, and I remember being like, what is happening? Like in the moment, (laughs) but also I was like, well, it's working. So I would just like, I felt very at peace with it. It wasn't weird. Yeah. Um, But I learned right away because of that, that if I was on my hands and knees, I was able to manage the pain so much better. And so I was able to leverage that for the rest, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when I was continuing to contract, which was just so, I'm very grateful for that, that I was gifted that lesson really, really early on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of the reason I was able to, you know, journey as long as I did. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. It was so cool. It was very (laughs) magical. It's very magical. It is. It is. And like, what is, what a gift, what a story. And now you have this tiny feminist son who's going to change the world. He has your energy. He absorbed your strength. Like, I mean, he's just a true like version of you moving forward. Now you've done this. You're like, you're, you're healing those wounds, right? Like those wounds that we are dealt and we're, we're recognizing we're not shaming them. We're bringing them out into the light what are you excited about? Like what's next for Sarah? What are you working on? Mm. Ooh, I, I think I'm in an interesting position right now where I'm feeling at kind of a crossroads, like what has been working in the past, like even specifically in my business, it's not working right now. Mm. And that can be very scary feeling. (laughs) That's always like, oh shit. I thought I had it figured out. Psych, which is very similar to parenting. The second you think you figure something out, (laughs) something shifts. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's just a never ending cycle. So I think the, the sooner you can figure that out and really ground yourself in that. It's so hard though, not to get like even cocky, like, yes, I got this. I figured it out. No, just kidding. The next day it it changes. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, in my business specifically, uh, that's happening. It's like what was working isn't working anymore. And that is typically because it's happened many times, but it's because I'm on the precipice of something new, which is going to be bigger and grander and greater. And it's like, it's so scary though. It's like, you're looking over the edge and you're like, I know I got to jump and I think I know I'll be safe. But like, I can't see that I'll be safe. So I have to trust that I'll be safe. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. That leap is hard always. Um, anyone that is in, I think probably most people could apply that theory to any anything in life. Is It's really, really scary, but you have to trust. So right now I'm being tested on the trust. And I'm trying to remind myself, just keep trusting. It's okay. You have everything you need. Um. But I think some big shifts are coming uh, in in business specifically. I'm excited for those. Uh, personally, you know, 
we're kind of on the other end of this wild first year. Um, I, I still feel like, you know, a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I think that parenthood forever is probably going to be that. I think, I think we're kind of joking ourselves at any point that you're an expert. Like, when are you ever an expert when you've done something, you know, even two times, right? You've got two little kiddos. It's next time could be so different. The time after that could be so different. Like mm-hmm. expert level comes with what do they say? 10,000 hours of doing it. Like, you know, that's, that's exhausting. Oh my so gosh. I think, I think it's more, you know, just being agile and resilient and understanding and that it's not going to be the same and that's okay. And that's exciting and, and find a way to be excited about that. Find a way to be okay with that. Find a way to accept new norms or no norms. Oh yeah. The surrender. It's hard. It's it, because it's it feels hard. so, it's so vulnerable to be, it's to just let so it vulnerable. ride. And, you know, it's funny that this kind of energy that you're talking about in the business, in the manifestation work I do, this is called the magic dark. And it's, it's mm. this like kind of like lull period before stuff starts to really come in. And it, and the test is to not panic, right? It's like, okay, this is meant to be. And if I just surrender and I lean into that rest piece and I, and I enjoy it and I enjoy the process and I dig out some of those old wounds, pull them out and just acknowledge. And then when, you know, shit hits the fan, when things get really busy, I'll be that much more ready. Like it's so perfect that we're talking Mm. right now. I'm obsessed. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love that. It's just, it's, it's, that's true. It, you know, it's always darkest right before the dawn, right? Oh, like, yep. and it's, it can get so hard to pause in that space, especially for drivers, especially for people who are passionate about um, like continuing to grow and strive and try harder. Um, that's always, I, I always have a, that's always my reminder in those moments in moments like this right now that I can still be successful. How I define, I can impact the community. I can continue to drive. I can continue to grow and rest can happen and pausing can happen Mm -hmm. and taking a time to create just to create can happen. It doesn't always have to be client facing new projects, uh, paid work. Like that's not, always how it works, but it's hard to remember that somebody like me, that that's really hard for me to remember. So I Mm -hmm. think it's constantly, that's my test right now. This is my reminder. Mm -hmm. Don't panic. It's going to be fine. Oh, I've been wanting to have a conversation like this with someone like to really get to it. And, and I, again, like I just, motherhood is truly the most amazing experience of my whole life. It's everything. I mean, truly it's everything. It's my healing. It's my growth and it's the hardest. And I'm just glad that we like, just like said that out loud. <laughs> me, honestly, me too. I, I am heartbroken for those generations before us who did all this by themselves with I a know. smile on their face with no support because they didn't feel like they could say it out loud. They didn't feel like they could say they needed help. They didn't feel like help was an option or maybe if they did ask for help, it wasn't given to them because it, you shouldn't need it. I don't know, but Whoa, it's no joke. This takes a fucking village. Takes a village. Takes a village and, and we are doing it. And our generation, our future generations are going to be that much stronger because we're doing it. We're doing it. Yes. We're reaching out to our people. We're having conversations like this. We're, you know, we're changing the world. We really are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
This is oh, fun. This was fun, Sarah. Thank you for being honest and opening up and just, yeah, I really love you a lot. You're the best. <laughs> oh, I love you. We should explore whatever energy was happening in my office. Abel, Abel's photo <laughs> crashed down. The door just all of a sudden opened up, which rarely mm. happens. It's latched shut. So someone was, someone was here with us today. It's your Pisces moon girl, like into that. I wonder <laughs> what's showing up. <laughs> Something's happening. Okay. Oh, thank you, Sarah. This was great. Thanks for being here, everyone. Thanks, Sarah, for being so real and amazing for being on the show. Thanks to Odell for partnering with us. And tune in on Thursday for our next episode, a great chat on social media and boundaries. See you then.